You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good morning, West Side Church. Uh, we're so grateful that all of you have joined us today. My name is Justin Shump, and I serve as one of the campus and youth ministers here uh, in the West Side Church. And we're grateful to be with you. Uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday to all the football fans. I uh, hope that we get a, a great game later. I uh, hope that you enjoy uh, maybe spending time with your family as you gather uh, and watch the game together. Uh, we're continuing in our series here uh, called Higher. Uh, I was really grateful to hear Jeff Hickman preach last week talking about higher freedom. And today we're going to be talking about higher yield. Uh, so this is all out of Isaiah 55. Uh, this is going to continue to be our theme for the year. We're very excited about that, and the title of my sermon today is Yield of Dreams. Uh, We're going to be picking up in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verse 10, so I'll give you a second to turn there. I also want to say officially happy Black History Month. Uh, We're very grateful to uh, have many different people in our congregation participate in these services throughout the month uh, as we lift up black voices, and we're very grateful for uh, our kingdom inclusion team, uh, all who serve. Uh, really grateful for our tech team, those who have helped put together the different interviews and the videos. Uh, we're really grateful to uh, spend this month honoring black voices uh, and lifting up our black members. Uh, so we're really excited for uh, our service today. Uh, so we're going to pick up in Isaiah 55, verse 10. Uh, again, we've been moving through this, this uh, chapter, and so we'll pick up here. It says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. You know, this passage says that God sends water on the earth, and it has a purpose. Water comes down, and and it produces vegetation, and then it can be used and reused. That it gives seed for the sower and bread for the eater. You know, there's a very similar passage in, in 2 Corinthians 9 uh, that I'm going to go ahead and read now. A lot of times we read this during our contribution portion. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, it starts out, says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, uh, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, and it, it continues on. I'm going I'm to go ahead and, and skip down uh, to verse 10. Again, this is a scripture that maybe you've heard a lot, kind of that first part. This is what it says in verse 10. It says, Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It continues in verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers to you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. 
Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. You know, this is an amazing passage, and, and, and I love in, in verse 10 when it says, Now as he supplied seed for the sower and bread for food. Very similar to the Isaiah passage we read. And in the Isaiah passage, God sends water, and it produces vegetation, and, and, and it supplies seed for the sower, and, and it allows humans to have food. And, you know, Paul is saying here in, in, in 2 Corinthians the same thing, that God sends his blessings on us. He sends his blessings down on his people. The same way God sends water. But these blessings are not meant to just be accepted. They're meant to be replicated. You know, God, he, he blesses us. He increases our store of seed. He enlarges our harvest of righteousness. And he's able to meet all of our needs. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. But he expects us not to be selfish with these blessings. You know, in verse 11, he says, You will be enriched in every way, so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know, our blessings have a purpose. We will be enriched so that we can go and enrich others. God will be generous to us so we can go and be generous to others. You know, God's gift that he gives us, his, his blessings, they're an investment. God wants a yield. He wants a return. And so he invests in us. You know, you are a stock in God's investment portfolio. You know, some of you are like Apple or, or Amazon. You know, you're a really good investment. You're constantly growing, uh, constantly bearing fruit, constantly replicating. Uh, you're just amazing. You know, I think I, I'm probably more like a GameStop. Uh, failing company, most of the world would probably value me at like $13 a share. Uh, but to God, I'm worth $450. And he believes in me, uh, even though I'm, I'm on paper not, not really worth very much. Uh, so GameStop to the moon. Uh, but, you know, God, he, he wants to bless us. He wants to invest in us so we may go and bless others. You know, he wants to create this, this motion of cyclical enrichment that he enriches us, he pours down his blessings, and then it replicates. And we go out and we bless others. You know, it says that because of our service, others will praise God. You see, they will see our obedience that accompanies our confession. You see, in this passage, Paul is claiming that obedience has to accompany our confession. That just confessing that Jesus is Lord will not necessarily be enough to help others praise God. That our confession should produce servants. It should yield generosity. You know, as Christians, the reason why we serve others is because of Jesus. You know, we know the passage that says, Christ's love 
compels us. And I think we can take this for granted. I mean, this is a radical idea. Because there's many people who serve others. There's many people who who go out and, and do great acts of service. You know, in high school, every student at my high school uh, had to complete a certain amount of community service hours in order to graduate. It was a requirement. You know, on college campuses, most fraternities and, and sororities, they have to log a certain amount of community service hours if they want to stay an organization. It's a requirement by the school. You know, a lot of people see service as a resume booster. You know, we go out and we participate in community service, hoping that maybe it will, it will make us look good, we'll be more attractive to an employer, which will then lead us to getting a job and, and, and making some more money. And so helping others, serving others, becomes a way to help ourselves. And so we have to constantly be asking ourselves, why do we do the things that we do? Because why we do something is just as important as what we do. Especially when it comes to serving others. Especially when it comes to replicating the blessings and the investment that God has bestowed on us. You know, I went to San Diego State. Uh, I studied marketing there. And my freshman year, it was my first month, actually, of being there. Um, and many of you guys uh, remember Ben and Claire Leong. Uh, they led the junior high ministry here in the West for a long time. They actually ended up moving down to San Diego. And so Ben initiated with me, and he asked if I wanted to go uh, get dinner with him. And we were going to meet uh, about a mile and a half away from campus uh, to get some burgers together. And so it was my first, you know, first semester of college. I was trying to save money and be frugal. And I had a car, but I didn't really want to drive it very much because I didn't want to pay for gas. And I knew that there was a trolley that would take me to where the burger spot was. Um, and so the trolley worked like any other trolley. You, you buy a ticket and you hop on and it takes a few stops. Uh, but in my mind, I thought, look, I don't need to pay for a ticket because I'm really, really going two stops down. And, you know, people ride the trolley all the time without buying a ticket. So I hopped on the trolley. Uh, I didn't purchase a ticket. And I go down the two stops. Uh, and right as the doors open, there's like 30 police officers. And they're stopping everyone who's getting off of the trolley and, and checking for their tickets. And so obviously I, I didn't have one. Uh, I tried to kind of make up a story uh, that my student ID it had a sticker on it. And technically for the first week you were allowed to use a trolley, but I knew that it didn't work anymore. Uh, and I was trying to be deceptive. Um, so I ended up getting a ticket and it was like $190 fine. And I had to uh, show up in court for it. And so I was planning on contesting it. I was planning on lying and, and being deceitful and trying to cheat the system. Uh, and I had this whole kind of plan on how I was going to try and get out of it uh, in court. Um, but as I kind of went to the courtroom, uh, I started feeling guilty and felt like, you know what? I made this decision. Uh, I need to pay the price. I know what I did was wrong. Uh, my heart was uh, going into it. I didn't have a good heart. I knew I was breaking the law. Um, and so I, I'm in the courtroom and, and different people are going up and they're having their arraignment. And a girl goes up before me and she had gotten uh, a similar ticket. And uh, at the end, she requested community service. She said to the judge, you know, 
can I just do community service instead of paying the fine? And the judge said, yes, since you're, it's a first time offense, uh, we'll allow you to do 24 hours of community service uh, instead of paying the actual fine. So I went up and I, and I stood before the judge uh, and I requested the same thing. I said, can I, can I just request community service uh, instead of, of paying this fine? Um, and the judge granted me that. And so they gave me a list of different places I could do the community service. And so I ended up volunteering at a food bank uh, in San Diego um, and did a bunch of food sorting there and actually had a great time, uh, got to meet some people. So a brother actually, he, he, he called me when I was driving back from the food bank uh, and he's like, hey, what, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I said, well, I just left this food bank. I, I was volunteering there. And he was like, oh, my gosh, like, that is so cool that you did that. Like, we don't have enough disciples. There's not enough Christians volunteering, volunteering their time and, and, and doing community service. And he was just praising me over and over again. And I felt way too guilty to tell him that the only reason I was there is because I had gotten this ticket and I didn't want to pay the money. And so he went back and he told a bunch of other people in our ministry, oh, that Justin's been serving at this food bank and didn't tell anyone and, and it's so awesome and it's so amazing. And, and, and I got all this encouragement. Again, I was so ashamed to tell them that my heart was not to serve. I just wanted to get out of that ticket. You see, why we do something is just as important as what we do. And the world understands this. The world understands that the why is important, especially when it comes to serving others. You know, this past summer, we saw many movements gain momentum, specifically focused on on injustice and inclusion. You know, we saw protests break out all over the world. People marching for black lives, marching against sexism, marching against systems of oppression. You know, social media was inundated with, with posts and pictures and stories and videos, and everyone was trying to just say something. And so very quickly, people began to ask the question, why? You know, a lot began to use this term, performative activism. Now, what is performative activism? It pretty much means you you support a cause or you go to a protest uh, or you post something on social media, you share it. But, you know, you care more about drawing attention to yourself than you do to the actual cause. You become an activist, not because of your passion, not because of of the research that you've done, but because it's popular. Because in some way you'll get a reward. You know, you want the stamp of approval that says, I did my part. You can't accuse me. And so this term performative activism, it started getting thrown around a lot. And and a lot of people were accusing others of, of participating in that. Because people appreciated the what, they appreciated what others were doing, 
but they questioned why they were doing it. You see, the why matters just as much as the what. Why you are doing something matters just as much as what you are doing. And you see, as Christians, it's the same for us. You know, it's what sets us apart as Christians, is that we have a different why. Especially when it comes to service, to generosity, to giving back, to replicating the blessings that God has given us. You see, although what we are doing, serving others, being generous, it might look exactly the same as others who are not Christians. In fact, people might be doing it much better than us or giving much more than us. But why we do it is what's different. You know, there are a lot of people in the world who give. And they're good people. But as Christians, we're not compelled by morality. We are not compelled by tolerance. As Christians, we are compelled by Christ. And if we lose sight of that, if we lose sight of our why, then we are no longer Christians. You see, Jesus is our why. Our faith in him permeates every aspect of our life. You see, our confession that Jesus is Lord means that every thought, every action, every decision is seen through the worldview that Christ gave us. And we know, according to the scripture we read earlier, that service must accompany this confession. Because we were all a seed that God watered. And he blessed us, and and he nurtured us, and he helped us grow. And he wants us to continue to bear fruit. He wants us to go out and and to plant more seeds through our service, our, our generosity, our love. And these seeds that we plant, they will grow. And the people around us will see them grow. And they will praise God because of that growth. But it takes a lot of faith to believe that. You know, it takes a lot of faith to believe that the things that we do actually matter. It takes a lot of faith to believe that the seeds that we plant will grow into something great. You know, to me, I think this this analogy, this example of, of seeds is one of the greatest expressions of faith that I can just kind of see plainly. That you plant a seed in some dirt, and although you can't see it, and, and you can't see the fruit, you know it will come. You know, Scripture says that, that when it describes faith, it says it is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
And you see, that is our why. The reason we serve, the reason we give, the reason we protest, the reason we fight for justice is not to draw attention to ourselves. It's to plant seeds. Seeds of change. Seeds of love. Seeds of justice. Our goal in life, our why, is not to bring attention to ourselves. It's to help others see God. That is our why. The replication of the blessings that God has given us. That is our purpose. You know, as we celebrate Black History Month, we we take the time and we remember and we honor different figures of, of the civil rights movement. And when you start to really read about these people and you study them, you very quickly see that they knew their why. You know, there's so many amazing figures, some, some lesser-known figures, like Bayard Rustin and, and Claudette Colvin and, and Hiram Revels. And then there's more popular figures that we all know, people like Martin Luther King. You know, we know that Martin Luther King knew his why. You know, arguably one of his most famous speeches was, I have a dream. And that entire speech was a proclamation of faith. You know, he believed that in the future, the world that he lived in would look different. He believed that the seeds of the civil rights movement would one day yield change. That was his dream. A dream that would yield change. And you know, in in many ways, they have yielded change. But we also know as a country that we're not fully there yet. There's still a lot of progress that needs to be done. And so because of that, as Christians, we must fight to love one another. We must fight to continue to plant the seeds of justice. We must look at our lives and and see the way that God has blessed us and nurtured us and invested in us. And remember that we are an investment. Our obedience to our confession is to go out and to serve and to love and to help people and to plant seeds that one day will yield change. You know, we have the amazing opportunity now uh, to hear from a student who is a part of our UCLA ministry. And she's going to read an original poem that she wrote based off of the passages that we read uh, and this idea of, of planting seeds. And so it is an honor to introduce to you all Ruette Joseph. Hi, my name is Rorette Joseph, and I am a part of the campus ministry here in the West Side. I'm currently a junior at UCLA, and today I'm going to be sharing with you all a poem that I wrote, and I hope you can enjoy it. So let's begin. 
A seemingly lifeless seed, cultivated by your deed, metamorphosed into a masterpiece, ever so flawless and unblemished by strife, your hands dug deep within the soil of our life, eternally nourishing our being, as you send living water, producing a physical harvest, enriching our surroundings, yielding a harvest of righteousness. All merciful and filled with patience, you, Lord, wait, patiently knowing the harvest is slow and laborious, exerting strenuous amounts of vigor as exhaustion fills our bodies, weakening our spirits. You fill us with strength, leaving us breathless. Your word, filled with honor, supplies us to plant seeds of righteousness. Just as the rain and snow fall down to the earth and do not return until the earth is flourished, so shall we nourish the earth with righteousness as you provide a multitude of seeds, enriching us endlessly. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ruette. You know, she sent me that poem a few days ago, uh, and, and I read through it, and I was just blown away. Uh, I'm really grateful that all of you got to hear it. Uh, Ruette is, is super talented. Uh, she's on our leadership team uh, here in the campus ministry, and we're just super, super grateful for her and all of the campus students uh, who serve and really love the kingdom. Uh, so that's going to end off our, our sermon to today. Uh, you know, we're so grateful that you got to join us. Uh, we're so grateful for God's word, that it is transformative. Uh, obviously, we want to examine our blessings uh, and go out and, and continue to bless others. Uh, we're so grateful for this replication that we have and really that this is the heart of the Westside Church. So we thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you back next week. You've just listened to the Westside Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.